With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom. Simply visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate to make a difference today. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. All right, it's the uh, last Tuesday of our year. Let me put it that way here at RCR. Winding things up at the end of Thursday. And what a year it's been. And one of the uh, interesting features here on this program every Tuesday is Tech Tuesday. This is where we learn a lot about technology because we have a very... um, how would I describe Stephen Sykes? Technically savvy, <laughs> enthusiast, techo enthusiast. All those words apply to Stephen. He's been here with us throughout. It's been great. And Stephen, thanks for coming on every Tuesday and sharing your technical knowledge and keeping an eye on the issues, the hacks, the news, and our inbox. It's been great. And this is our last Tech Tuesday of the year now, all of a sudden. It is. And what a fun, wild ride it's been. Speaking of wild rides, okay, so um, on Sunday night we had for our foundation members the webinar that we do where, you know, as many of us as possible sort of front up and being the end of the year, um, you were part of that as well. And you were sitting, and we've talked about Kit, your car, um, uh, before a couple of times already, and you were actually sitting in it and it, it, um, it generated some interest, it's fair to say, and you... Um, showed us a, a kind of a picture, real time of the, um, what would you call it, the cockpit <laughs> <laughs> of the car, and it's a real thing, and everything you've been saying is true, and everything, and they've got some uh, some comments coming in on the chat, and um, and and of course the the other hosts on there were intrigued to see that, and then then you describe the you know all the tech details, the engine power, and all that, and that was cool. But you're in, people can't see you, but you're still in the car. You haven't been sitting there all that time, by the way, have you? No, I, I, I changed my shirt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it looked like uh, uh, quite, uh, um, like I say, uh, it was like a cockpit in the car and uh, it had readouts and lights and dials and screens and everything, which you'd, you've substantially put in there, right? Yeah. Um, it's funny what you sort of say cockpit. Um, in the very first episode of Night Rider, um, Michael Knight, played by David Hasselhoff, said, um, what's all this? It looks like Darth Vader's bathroom. <laughs> okay, well, it sort of looked like that, if that's what Darth Vader's, Vader's bathroom would be a bit, a bit about, or look like. But you'd have to justify all those lights and commands and controls. You must have had uh, one hell of an environmental system or something in there. But anyway, um, now, hasn't David Hasselhoff actually touched your car? He touched it in more than one place. Oh. Yes, so... So, um, um, cause things are, are an embargo, I, I can't tell you that I've met both him and Reese Darby who were touring New Zealand, filming a travel show. Um, I can't tell you that it's called, um, Hoff the Beaten Track. <laughs> okay. Um, and we met out and I can't tell you that we met out in Sumner and while traffic was going past, here we are, um, myself and some friends, um, we were doing some filming and I got to meet. Um, both the Hoff and Reese Darby, and they're really nice, genuine guys. And um, you can't tell so much from seeing the Hoff on TV, but he's a really tall fellow. So yeah. when you see him do stunts sliding over the car, 
absolutely believe it. Um, he 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 did all that stuff, um, and it was a great time. Um, I got Kit to ask him some questions. Um, it was it was quite funny. Um, Kit said, "Michael, um, what do you say? Um, like, Michael, is that you? It's been so long. Ever since Night Rider ended, I fell in hard times." I dated a stripper called Tiffany. Um, I started snorting nitrous oxide uh, for kicks and other things like that. It, so it went down quite well. It was um, quite funny. Um, it worked out quite well. Well, that's going full circle. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, it is. Okay, so um, that's cool. All right, so before we get into some of the issues and the talking points, feedback, who have we heard from? Uh, yeah, so we've got four items of, of feedback. So um, one person said that if you wanted to know more about how BlackRock came up um, with their name, um, James Corbett from the Corbett Report um, has covered all of that on his website, the Corbett, corbettreport.com forward slash BlackRock. And while you're checking that out, you might want to watch another one that um, James Corbett did. Um, I think it was a four-part series called um, Who Is Bill Gates? Um, I watched that a few years ago, and that was really, really good. It even went back as far as talking about his parents um, and how his father basically was a eugenicist and how um, his mother got him involved in his operating system being used by IBM. Um, and it was kind of like, well, hey, my son's doing this thing, and it was kind of one of those... Um, it's not what you know, it's who you know kind of scenarios. Yeah, okay, um, eugenicist, yeah. Well, um, I was watching a doco the other day on, of all things, Himmler and the SS, and that was what all, they were about exactly that. It was all about um, eugenicism, is that the the, the um, word? And, you know, a fanatical belief in it. And one wonders if that's actually gone away <laughs> and and one maybe suspects that it hasn't yeah one there was a video snippet that james corbett used in his um documentary i can't remember the name of the guy he, he used in the video but it was basically um uh people having to justify their existence yeah and, and after some period of time if you if you basically haven't done enough for a mellow puff then um see ya yeah, well, the the interesting thing about it is that that it was doctors, doctors who promoted it. Yeah, and that's where the uh, that horrible echo of the past kind of is heard again now. Yeah, and then anyway, course, uh, Hitler wanted to do something with his master race, so uh, yeah. Well, Himmler, I think, was even more motivated than Hitler, actually. Mm. Um, but anyway, it's just a it's sort of a scary echo. All right, um, um, there's that. Any other items? Yeah, um, so somebody else um, wrote in to say that, uh, hi guys, have arrived home today to find a big new 5G tower right below my oh, home. Yeah. It's 80 meters away. Is this a worry? Um, well, I'd say that the short answer to that is, uh, yeah, it is. Um, we have obviously covered um, EMF stuff before, but to recap some of the things we talked about um Having access to really good quality water is absolutely paramount. Um, I would say, you know, um, it'd be good to get some uh, formal assessment done on what kind of radiation is coming into your house. And if you go to 
the Reality Tech Radio um, web page. There's a contributor section. And if you look through there, you'll find yours truly. And there's a Tech Tuesday page, which has a PDF to um, a variety of EMF resources, including about four or so people um, that I know of around the country who will do assessments. If you really want to find out how it's impacting um, you and your house, then you can decide, well, I need to come up with mitigation strategies or um, maybe the other alternative is to um, sell the house, but that's easier said than done by a long shot. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, treat it lightly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, just brush it off. I'd, I'd certainly be um, pushing back about that. I mean, clearly it's sort of done, but um, you're fighting a system there. So if you can't move, then you're going to have to at least try and come up with those mitigation strategies that we talked about um, when dealing with EMF. Okay, so you own a house. They um, in a particular at a particular location. They come in. They put a five G true five G tower in. Uh, in close proximity, the kind of distance we're just talking about here. What's that going to do to your property value? Well, to those who know how bad EMF is, um, they're, they're not going to want to come near you. Um, but to those who are still asleep, then um, they're not even going to think about it. In fact, some people might think, oh, that's brilliant because it means my connection is better. Um, to the yep. internet via a mobile network is going to be so much better because I'm physically close to it. Um, I I know somebody um, who uh, lives near um, an antenna. Um, this is a radio antenna. And given all the issues um, they've been having, um, they said to me that they have chosen to not um, move away simply because that... Um, they'd feel awkward selling their property to someone else just so they end up with the same house. Gosh, should. that's, <laughs> that's nice. It's um, taking one for the team. All right. It sure is. But I guess the point I'm making is it's all right for, you know, companies, um, communications companies to come and dump a cell tower in the neighborhood. All right. That helps them. But what if it really does materially affect values? Uh, because it won't. It, at some point, enough people are going to, to use your term, be awake, that it's going to flip the equation. What happens then? Yeah, well, it's a good question, and similar questions um, sort of got asked around um, people having um, power pylons in their back go mm. through their backyard. Well, people don't like that. No, they don't. People mm. were told they were safe and fine, and and then talk to the people who live under them, like, well, I got a different view. Yeah, perhaps uh, we should have thought of that. All right. Um, any more incomings before we get on to topics? Yeah. Um, so uh, this one says, this is an important question for Stephen Sykes. I guess he means me. Yeah, it must um, be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, is this another Marsden Point shutdown to remove our copper wire network? If the fiber fails, we are back to smoke signals and carrier. Are we back to smoke signals and carrier pigeons? I say that we need a backup system rather than relying on relatively new, delicate fiber system. What has Stephen to say about the situation, please? From an old timer who likes old stuff that still works. Fiber has actually been around for longer than you are probably aware. I recall, and before we ended up having 
fibre um, in a big way in New Zealand. Um, in 2007 in Japan, you could have 100 megabit fibre to your house already. Um, back then and, you know, a few years later, we eventually catch up. Um, so the thing, of course, with fibre is that when you've got no power, then um, not an awful lot works. But, of course, um, it's not hard to get your um, fibre connection going again with a 12-volt battery and, and a few simple electronics. Um, or if you just want to just go and buy a UPS or uninterruptible power supply um, of a decent quality so that it um, tolerates things like lightning strikes, power surges and all that kind of business. And you can keep going. But, of course, the other option is that to keep things even simpler in your community network, then there is the option of um, um, radios. Yeah, like old-fashioned VHF RT radio, is that, or CBs? Yeah, um, B, B, um, yes. Um, the kind of ones that have been, um, people have been talking about a lot lately where, you know, you can buy handheld or um, permanently installed uh, radios that you can use without a license. Um, um, okay, I was watching a really funny power. thing the other day. Do you remember Trailer Park Boys, the Canadian TV series? No, I haven't seen it. Okay, well, they're robbing a uh, supermarket, you know, because they go, they're sort of petty crims, and they've got these walkie-talkies, right, that, that communicate. But what they don't realise is that they go, they, they splatter into the the um, PA system of the store. So, so um, he's telling them, I'll go, go steal the meat, go do this, go do that, and it's coming being broadcast all around the store, you know. It's very funny. It, it, it uh, reminds me of one of those cop shows where um, um, you see video footage from the police car and they're following someone who, who won't pull over. Yet that person who's driving, um, who's being pursued, um, is polite enough to use their indicators to tell the cops which way they're going to turn. <laughs> <laughs> no shaking them off if you're doing that. Yeah. I think um, that, that show Minder had a, uh, one of the episodes had you know, Arthur Daly had bought some cheap uh, mobile phones and, and uh, the, the cops are, like, listening into their conversations on the radio, the mm. police radio, because, yeah, I mean, probably don't get that so much today with kind of encryption and things like that, but back, back then you certainly did. And any any last um, messages? Yeah, um, there was uh, one who wrote in um, asking if, any of our Tech Tuesdays um, covered the range and capabilities of so many types of local camera surveillance methods. Also, many small cameras slash devices, even on motorways. I hear that they can even read your mobile phone identities, etc. when driving. Lots of claims by experts would be good to have evidence-based info. So we did do um, surveillance cameras. Um, didn't really cover the capabilities of them, so... The thing to do there, um, and I may even do this myself if I get 10 minutes, is to write to councils um, and even maybe NZTA and ask about the make and model of the cameras. Um, make the request simple enough so that a question like that can be easily answered because if you make it too complicated, then like, sorry, can't answer your request, it's too difficult. But if you find out makes and models, then you can follow up with some homework of your own to find Thinking, out the capabilities yeah. of those cameras. And then you can go, well, okay, this camera's got this capability or that cap this or that capability. Then you can write back and say, I see the cameras you're using can do this. Are you using this feature? 
yes or no, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's the way to go. Yeah. And um, I published a document also on the Reality Check Radio website in the Tech Tuesday section on how you can go about um, cataloging um, security, or I should say surveillance, because security cameras, in my view, don't exist. They're all surveillance cameras. Um, how you can document their location on an international map. Um, there's a PDF there that I wrote about how you can go about doing it. Um, so if you're after something you might want to do in the holidays, yourself <laughs> or getting the kids involved or whatever. Hey, we've got a great uh, idea, kids, for something to do for the next two weeks. <laughs> Let's go catalog all the cameras in the city. Oh, yeah. Exciting. Okay. All right. Um, any more? Uh, no, that was about it. Um, just to add on to the tail end of that, that um, modern cars which have tire um, pressure uh, monitoring systems, um, they're typically over Bluetooth. So as you drive past or as you drive along um, the roads, that can be um, detected. Oh, gosh. Just another thing to worry about. Another form of metadata. All right. Yep, totally. Okay, so um, before we finish up, we're going to go over quickly some of the items that um, registered from this year, and we've almost been doing this a year. But first, let's get on to some of the stories out there, tech stories. What's this about Rolls-Royce Rolls Royce building a or designing a nuclear reactor for use on the moon? Yeah, really? so um, last month, um, Rolls-Royce unveiled a conceptual model design of a... a um, they call it a micro reactor and the idea or the hope is that one day it might supply electricity um, for a lunar settlement and they presented it at the UK space conference held in Belfast late last month um, this was after the UK space agency in March had um, given them 2.9 million uh, UK pounds Despite this concept model having been made, it's currently incapable of actually producing any electricity. When you say micro, that obviously that sounds small. Do we know how big this power plant concept is? Yeah, so you should be able to fit it on the back of your Hilux or your Ford Ranger, but you might need to stick a, a white flag on the end to indicate that it, you know, got a long load on. So it, it's a um, tubular construction. Um, it's it's one meter. Um, in diameter and and three meters long. So this is called micro because usually um, uh, nuclear reactors, you know, they create heat, which heat water, which creates a pressurized steam, which um, makes turbines operate. Yep. And shift, transplanting all of that stuff to the moon is a little on the impractical side. Yeah, it would be, yep. Um, so that's in comparison to that, it's it is a um a whole lot smaller and um they still use nuclear fission as opposed to fusion um they reckon it'll take them about six years to get it ready for um their first flight okay um for those who are interested i only say this because i watched it the other day there's some really good uh, material on youtube explaining how the chernobyl disaster happened speaking of reactors and the design of that particular reactor and it's neutron absorption and all of that it's really really interesting you wouldn't mm. want that happening on on the, on the way to the moon no or even on the moon because you know you don't want you don't want the um 
Now, the ocean tides upset or even, <laughs> or, or even the orbit of the moon um, altered in, in any way. And, I mean, what I'd like to know is, um, what do you do with the waste? You just fire it out into space, mate. No, so that's probably it. Um, I mean, there's plenty of room out there. Yeah, there is an, until you start flying into it and navigation becomes really difficult because of so yeah. much. I, I think that would be just such a needle in a haystack bit of bad luck. But I guess yeah. it's possible. All right. So but that means that there's obviously uh thinking about about living on the moon. Well, yeah, and then there's, you know, further talk about you know, propulsion systems um as a whole. The US Air Force research lab has given Lockheed Martin thirty three point seven million dollars is part of their joint emerging technology um, for supplying on-orbit nuclear, um, or if that's too many words, just call it jet, um, Jetson. Um, so the idea is to make a um, mature, high-power nuclear electronic power and propulsion technologies in spacecraft design. So the idea um, is to, you know, get the thing kick-started once it's up in space, because the thing with... Fission versus versus fusion, as I understand, is that with fission you need something external to kickstart the um, nuclear reaction. A chain um, reaction, yeah. Yeah, um, to get it started. Um, right. Yeah, um, there was, I think, uh, a concept for nuclear um, propulsion for spacecrafts, and that was like detonating multiple sort of small nuclear explosions in a sort of like a timed way behind the craft. And apparently the concept was to accelerate it to some mind-boggling speed over time. But you wouldn't mm -hmm. want to destroy the spacecraft in the process, would you? That's the only problem. Well, you say um, it, it was broke when I found it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Trying to find a repair station out there somewhere. Yeah, mechanic shut for the weekend, sorry. Yeah, nearest, nearest service centre is like 1.8 billion miles away or something. Yeah. Okay, so there's that. Now, um, you've talked about phones, degoogling phones before. It sounds like something a vet should do, actually. Um, but uh, degoogling phones. <laughs> and um, me thinks that uh, at this time of year, people get phones for gifts, don't they? They do. Um, people people like an upgrade. So if you're even contemplating the, the notion of getting a degoogled phone, then... Um, Christmas might be a good a good um, time to go secondhand shopping because of people are selling their older phones on Trade Me and places like that. Then you might uh, find yourself a bit of a bargain um, should the market um, and inverted commas be flooded. Um, if you wanna if you wanna um, just go and uh, without looking too deep, you can um, ironically. Um, Get yourself a Google Pixel phone, and if you if the budget will stretch, um, I would suggest a Pixel Five or later, because that's going to be supported with updates um, from the degoogling world, if you like, until I'm trying to think now, at least um, August twenty twenty five. Anything older than that um, is August twenty twenty four. So. Um, not to say that anything older than a, a Pixel 5 is no good, it's just that it won't um, 
receive any more updates beyond uh, August next year. Yeah, which is not that far away. Which isn't that far away. So if you're going to spend some money, you might as well, you know, think long term a little bit. Um, but if you still, you know, don't want a, a Pixel phone, that's fine. Uh, because the other thing is that the um, many of the Pixels um, don't have a three and a half millimeter headphone jack. Um, on my phone, which is not a Pixel, I use a Samsung S10 Plus. It's got a three and a half mil socket. So I plug a microphone blocker into it. So I physically disable the microphone from working without having to split the thing apart to rip out the microphone by hand. Oh, yeah. Good thinking. Yep. Um, so if, if um, you are half pie toying with the idea of a degoogled phone, then um, by all means, get in touch and, um, and then keep keep an eye open for what pops up on Trade Me. Okay. And um, I imagine that a lot of those phones won't be very old either. No, no. Probably no I more mean, than a year, most of them. Yeah, although really, really new phones more than likely will will not be supported unless it is a Google Pixel, because you know, as right. I say, they are the most supported um, type of phone out there. Ironically, I say ironically because you know yeah. you want to get away from Google and then you go get a Google Pixel phone. Um, but you don't have to get one of those. As I say, I don't use one of those myself. Um, okay, then, and maybe um, have we. Those are the two issues I've got, or the two stories that I've got here in, in front of me. Uh, maybe we should uh, just quickly, in the few minutes we have left, go over the year. What um, and what we've talked about, even what we haven't talked about, what has stood out tech-wise for you in twenty twenty-three? Well, um, I I think it was our second show, and on my, uh, May the ninth, and that was when. I talked about privacy, and I recall um, at one point going to bed um, at night think and, and mulling it over in my head, and I thought, I'll, I'll just get up and write down a few notes. Um, two hours later, um, I'd, I'd written <laughs> quite an awful lot, because it was it's a, an incredibly fundamental topic that must be understood, um, not just in the technology space, but just... Um, in life in general, so um, I implore anyone to, who hasn't heard it already to, on the replays to go and check out that. Um, May the 9th, I think it was the second show we ever did. Um, so that's everything else we've talked about since then has kind of used that um, as an underpinning um, basis because everything relies upon and stands upon um the right to privacy as as human beings. Um, we uh, you did talk about the Google phones in a few, um, you know, I think it was the following week, and many people have reached out and um, I've helped them out with the Google phones. Um, someone lately has um, given me feedback to say that they love it because it goes so much faster um, and just love the environment. Um, cool. It doesn't yep. have all the extra Google stuff in it. I've done Linux laptops for people who want to get away from using operating systems that spy on you. Um, we had in July, um, I just, I decided that um, I'd tackle the topic of EVs and some of the myths that um, people circulate. And that was a very big topic. We got 19 items of feedback about that. But um, what clearly blew that one out of the water was on the 8th of August when we spent 
Um, that was the first of three uh, weeks spent talking about EMFs. That's right, yeah. That was the biggest topic. Um, and when I say the biggest, um, I say that based upon the 41 items of feedback that came my way uh, talking about it. So that was pretty, that was pretty um, massive. Yeah, that's the thing I remember most because of that response and that we did, as you say, three parts. What got me about that was I didn't realize that there was such an interest in it until oh, yeah. that yeah. response, you know. And I always thought, too, that anyone who would raise those issues would be thought of in a particular way. And it, and it turned out that, <laughs> you know, many more were thinking about it than you kind of realize. So that was very interesting. Yeah, it, it seems to me that, um, um, I don't know how best to say this, but I'll express it in terms of the common man is more aware at yep. first of these sorts of things. Um, and then when when you try and talk about it, you come across as a bit of a nut nutcase. And then other people start talking about it and then all of a sudden it becomes a thing and then it starts getting attention and then the conversation gets even bigger. And then way back in the beginning, you go, well, the first person who brought it up goes, yeah, I told you so, but you Yeah. You and didn't you, listen. you said I was crazy. You said I was crazy. And, and then, and then you get data leaks and all these um, reports that companies knew about um, the dangers of all this stuff way back in the beginning, but they just um, swept it under the carpet. Well, we had a story in our um, news segment, um, I think it was last week or the week before, about a study. I think it must have been out of Sweden, though it didn't say which country, but the the research, I think, was Swedish. And it clearly showed that um, um, these particular, uh, this family, the kids in the family were affected by 5G signals at a holiday house that they went and stayed at. And and the parents were diligent and sort of kind of logged um, the problems the kids were having, and that was, you know, a number of symptoms. And when they went back home, they just immediately disappeared. That mm -hmm. data was analyzed, and it was like basically confirmed, yeah, that, that's what it does. So um, there you go. Well, perhaps that's actually a good idea for the person who wrote in about find, um, coming home one day to find a 5G mask um, near their yeah. house, you start start logging um, symptoms that you might experience. Oh, yeah. When you might yeah. experience, take notes of everything because you start, you know, having a, a trail of evidence, then you can slap that in front of someone and go, right, refute all of this logically and scientifically. And the other thing I remember was the devices that communicate with each other. Um, and could spill your personal data. And and I remember, that you know, the sex toys <laughs> being in that category, yeah. which I had never, ever considered. Not that I have an, an issue or, or an enthusiasm there, but uh, but it just shows you when it gets to that level, you know that no device um, with any sort of connectivity can be sort of trusted just at uh, first glance, right? You need to be able to have a way to um, verify that the device is doing nothing um, naughty um, against you and that isn't spying on you. And unfortunately, most of the stuff you buy out there is not built that way. Um, there was, I um, can't remember the name of the 
uh, was a teddy bear or some other kid's toy like that, the, the German version of the New Zealand Consumers Institute banned a, a particular kid's toy, a bear or something like that, um, because it was eavesdropping, because it you know had a microphone in it, was meant to be an interactive kind of bear, and they said, well, this is this is no good. Um, we're banning this toy. Wow. Okay. Um, and it's the metadata. Always, always remember the metadata, eh? Yeah, the metadata is often um, is often more useful to them higher up the food chain than the actual data because they can map out higher relationships and then they make assertions about you which um, might be completely false. Um, and it, it, it's a, it reveals a lot about a person, really, um, by mm. what they can infer. All right, anything else to say? Any other points to make? Um, anything we've missed before we wind it up for the year for Tech Tuesday? Yeah, um, I think I know what you're getting yourself for Christmas. Oh, tell me. Um, a decent email provider that's not Gmail. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> I'll look yes. at that when I get back. <laughs> yeah, but thanks for the reminder. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's all right to sit here talking about these things. You've actually got to see some action. You've got to do, make an effort yourself. Uh, so well, yeah, it. I mean, like, it's, it's interesting, you know, hearing about and then learning things. You go, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's interesting. Well, that's scary. Well, it's not supposed to be scary. It's supposed to be empowering. It's supposed to yeah. be educational so that you can then make different choices because if you're not aware that stuff's going on then how can you make a conscious ch a conscious informed choice about anything yeah and then if you get caught with it well you should have been more onto it so yeah yeah all right well it's been really cool doing tech tuesday with you Stephen, over the year and uh, we'll do it again in 2024 stronger faster better <laughs> yeah we'll see how we go with that and no, um, it, it's been a ball yeah no it's been great and um Keep the uh, emails and texts coming. It's great because uh, Stephen loves to uh, to answer those, and it's a good gauge also for us to understand what you're interested in, et cetera, as well. So thanks, Stephen. Have a great uh, holiday break. Thank um, you, too. Um, I'm, I'm sure you'll be fine with your metadata, but uh, don't know about the rest of us. <laughs> Some people have a bit of work to do, I think, on that. Yeah, yeah. That's for next year, 2024. Resolution. It's the resolution. Yes. Okay. Um. Yeah. Have a great uh, holiday break, and we'll we'll see you back in I think uh, early Feb. Sounds great. See you then. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Thank you for tuning in to RCR Reality Check Radio. If you like what you're listening to, just like what you're listening to. Either way, we want to hear from you. Get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057, that's 2057, or email us at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you, so connect with us today.